the American Battlefield Trust seeks to preserve our nation's hallowed battlegrounds and educate the public about what happened there and why it matters today. They permanently protect these battlefields for future generations as a lasting and tangible memorial to the brave soldiers who fought in the American Revolution, the War of 1812, and the Civil War. You can help save battlefield land today by visiting battlefields.org. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Tattoo Historian Show. My name is John. I am the Tattoo Historian. And this installment of the show, this episode of the show, is going to be really awesome because I have my good friend, Dr. Keith Harris, the rogue historian, is on this episode of the Tattoo Historian Show. I'm so happy to have him on. You know, it was a year ago where I went on his podcast and I was interviewed for the first time on a podcast. I was really happy with uh, that chance to get, pay it back to Keith for having me on his podcast. And we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about the idea of being a rogue historian. What does that mean? And different things that are involved in the field uh, that are for outsiders or how is it being a kind of outsider in the history field? So we talked about that. We talked about podcasting. We talked about digital history. So it was it was a really good uh, mix of topics that we talked about. And I was really happy to be able to speak with him about all this stuff. And he has a, a, a great way of putting things down to earth. Uh, one of those uh, types of people that you can talk to. And it's just like uh, we're talking in a coffee shop or in a pub. And it really makes it an awesome recording because of that. So I want to thank Dr. Keith Harris, the Rogue Historian, for being on. You can check out his podcast as well. He has the Rogue Historian podcast. And you can just look up the Rogue Historian online. It'll take you right to his website. He's got merch. He's got blog posts. He's got all that stuff. And I was really happy to have him on there. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Dr. Keith Harris. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tattooed Historian Show. My name is John. I am the Tattooed Historian. And today I'm joined by the guy who interviewed me for my first uh, podcast. It was for his podcast. That's Dr. Keith Harris. Keith, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing all right. How are you? That was your first podcast, really? That was the first time I was ever interviewed for a podcast was yours. You broke my podcast cherry. Great. Wow. How about that? I didn't know that. <laughs> I feel yeah, that's why that's why I wasn't prepared. Well, it sounded good to me. I was I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I uh, we when when I went on Keith's podcast, uh, I had earbuds, but the earbuds weren't the ones with the microphone attached to them. And I'm talking, and he's and he's looking back at me like I'm an idiot. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you can't hear me. Hold on. And I actually had to go off screen because we were video skyping and and get my stuff. So that was my first experience with a podcast. Well. It worked out for me. I, I I was I was happy with it. So so there you go. 
Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I was happy with it too. So I so again I want to thank you for having me on there. I mean, it's been since last April, but but thank you buddy for doing that. And for it, yeah, and for introducing me to the podcast world in a in a new way. And uh Keith online is known as the Rogue Historian and uh, yeah, how how did that come about, my friend? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, the Rogue Historian, what does that even mean? So, I I picked that name because, you know, when I was in academia, kind of uh, full speed ahead, uh, when I, you know, went to graduate school, I had after, after, uh, after undergrad, straight into graduate school, I had the, the sort of very ambitious plan to, to go full, full, full steam ahead and, and pursue the tenure track, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, job market. uh, And I was sort of, you know, that kind of crushed a little bit by the reality of that. And I didn't really realize, I mean, I probably thought about it in advance, but didn't really, didn't really think the whole thing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, once I got the, you know, got the degree and started to think about the job market, got in the job market, found out how terrible the job market was. I said, you know what, man, um, after, you know, shaking my fist for a couple of years and just kind of like <laughs> sort of being a, a disgruntled, unemployed academic, um, mm-hmm. so many people are in the world and even thinking about, you know, doing adjuncting and stuff, which I, I tried and absolutely hated. Um, I hated adjuncting, but I said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to still be a historian, but I'm going to do it in my own way. Um, and so I, I came up with actually my wife's idea. Say, so, you know, that's kind of the rogue path, isn't it? So yeah, it's rogue historian. That makes, that makes perfect sense. I, I, I like this idea of being an historian who, I mean, at the time, there's lots of people kind of doing the same thing now, but at the time, like historians, uh, blogging regularly. There was a few people who were doing it um, pretty regularly, but not that many. Um, you know, uh, going on social media and being an active participant, uh, engaging with the public, uh, doing that kind of stuff was something that there weren't a lot, a ton of historians actually doing at the time. Um, lots are now, including you. You know, it's just, it, which is a, uh, uh, you know, folks, you and other folks like you who are doing this, I think is fantastic. Um, but, you know, back uh, when a lot of this stuff started, it was kind of a rogue path to go on to just completely reject the, the the pattern, the academic job market that so many people were fixated on, just to completely mm-hmm. reject that and actually vocally oppose it, which is I did. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that that I think put me on a different pathway. Uh, and and I'm really I'm really happy with the with the way things work out. I did wind up landing a job, of course, not, uh, mm-hmm. not in a university. I teach at a private high school in Los Angeles, and I'm very very happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that that choice and so it seems like it seems like we both got to a point where uh, the market kind of fell out of our our lane that we were going down and uh, we both kind of got I guess you could say we both kind of got either uh, you know disgruntled or pissed off about (laughs) the whole thing where it's like well I'm going to just go do my own thing and and see how it works because I'm not going to be happy until I try it. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, I guess that's that's pretty much. I was bitter about this for a long time, and I got over that. I mean, it didn't mm-hmm. really do me very much good to shake my fist anymore, and and uh, it wasn't it wasn't making a positive contribution to the field, really. And there's there's still a lot of people out there that are screaming and yelling about the about the the the, the realities of the job market and the abundance of PhDs, and <clears throat> you know the 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 lack of availability of, of, of real tenure track jobs. But there's so many other things that historians can do. Mm-hmm. And still, and still actively be historians. You don't, you don't necessarily have to do that. But 
you know, like I was saying, I was really mad about that because I felt like I had been sort of uh, hoodwinked, you know, into, right. into pursuing a path that, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, guys who go to UVA get really great jobs. And I went to UVA. It's a really prestigious program, you know, with the very best advisor. And, and, and then, you know, uh, I kind of felt like I had gotten uh, tricked, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, but then to think about it, it's like, listen, man, you know, I, I could have done the research. I could have figured out the realities of, 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 uh, of the job market before I went and I didn't do that. So, you know, Hey, uh, mm-hmm. being bitter about it's not going to do me or, or the, or the profession, or the discipline any good. So I'll just be in a story and I'll do it my way and I'll continue to produce history. I still, uh, I still research. I still write. I still publish, you know, <clears throat> right. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I still do all those things. Uh, and I still teach. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, I get, I get to do all the things that I always wanted to do. I'm just doing it in a slightly different way than I had expected than I anticipated when I got into it. Yeah. I, I actually thought of that too, where, uh, I was watching Bill Nye one day. And I'm like, this dude doesn't have a PhD, and look what he's doing. And and I was like, well, wait a minute. If he doesn't have one, and yet he's being such a, uh, basically a, another cultural icon in in his field that he studied, uh, why can't someone like me do it at, at a much lower level? <laughs> you know, because I'll never be a Bill Nye. But but to be able to to succeed and and pay my bills and and move forward and try to have a small legacy. If that guy can do it without a PhD, so can I. Well, sure, and don't sell yourself short, man. I mean, you might you might wind up, uh, you know, as your as your as your as your name and, and and what you do expands and reaches more people. You know, you might be that guy. Uh, why not? You know, I mean, uh, yeah. you are you are just as knowledgeable on this stuff as any PhD I've ever met, and just because you don't have the piece of paper, whatever. You know, there's a there's there's more than one way uh, to go about this. And I don't necessarily think now. Listen, I went, you know, I went, I went through years of grad school, and I was trained uh, in the discipline by the very best. And so I've got, I know that stuff. I know how the discipline works. Um, but you know, you can get that training other ways. It's, it's not just a single path uh, to the destination. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a PhD is, is is great, I guess, if you if that's what you you know think you need. I thought I needed that. Uh, one person, and it certainly has helped me in my career, I think, um, because it, it you know it comes with a certain amount of respect, I suppose. Um, you know uh, that I that I went through the program and I and I was successful in the program and all that kind of stuff. But then at the same at the same time, uh, I don't think that it's absolutely necessary. I think you can get all kinds of respect uh, without it necessarily. Right. Oh yeah. I I I think I came to terms, Keith, with the fact that. I was going to pursue a PhD for me and that wasn't the right way to do it. Uh, where, where it was like, well, I'm only doing this because then I can say I have a PhD. Uh, I was, I wasn't thinking about it the right way. And, and I'm glad I caught myself, uh, you know, where I was like, well, hold on a minute, buddy. You can, you can do this differently. Uh, but, but I went and talked to students at, at George Mason the other week and one of the students, it was a, it was a, a digital humanities class and, and, one of their assignments was they had to listen to one of my podcasts, which was which was pretty cool because luckily the the professor was Stephanie Seal Walters, who's a good friend of mine, so she plugged me <laughs> on her on her syllabus, and uh, so the last class she brought me in to talk about digital history and digital humanities and all that, and out of the entire class there was only one history major there, and so I was hearing digital humanities from different people of how they perceived it, and. Uh, the history student came up to me afterward and she's like, I'm so glad you came because I didn't know 
what my next step was going to be in a field because I hear it one way from someone that I hear that I should pursue a PhD this way and I hear I should hear or I should go after a master's this way. There's so much confusion among a lot of students in the field right now that is kind of scary where they don't, where they don't know which path to go down because one person tells them one thing but yet they may not want to go down that path. They may want to go a different way. It's it's scary, but I think at the same time People like you and I who kind of busted out of that walled-in area and said, well, let's try it a new way, we can really help others maybe see that you can be either A, entrepreneurial with it, or B, you can just be like, you know, I, I do this, but yet I'm a little bit different than everybody else in the field. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly fine way of looking at it. I mean, um, my, my, my students all the time ask me, <clears throat> you know, if if they were if they were to major because I've got I've got a lot of I've got a lot of kids who are really into history and they want to go on and maybe major in it and then continue on and get advanced degrees and and they're they're concerned, um, you know that that pursuing that path won't get them uh, the financial rewards really that that, that they're looking mm-hmm. for in the end and I and I, I'm honest with them I'm saying you know it's like there's there if if you are going to pursue that then you have to understand that a uh, the, the 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 job market on the traditional trajectory is you know is, is pretty thin and b mm-hmm. you know if you're not going to make a bazillion dollars necessarily unless and here's where the the kicker comes in unless you figure out some way that's going to work uh in 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 a you know in a context that you choose right mm-hmm. so you know you can pursue whatever path you want and if you really want to do it the traditional way then you know uh, Godspeed, <laughs> it's said. Right. Right. But but just understand that this is, these are the realities of the situation, um, and you're not going to make a million dollars on that traditional path. You'll be comfortable, um, mm-hmm. perhaps maybe, uh, and you may be happy too, uh, and that's that's good enough. That's actually great, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's uh, if it's financial rewards you're looking at, you're going to have to come up with something uh, that, that that works and you know, within within the realities of the situation. I think. Right, and and uh, the way that. I got started on it the way possibly you broke out and and got some uh, brand cred, uh, sort of speak, is through social media. And uh, we met on Twitter, uh, doing the, the old Twitter story and hashtag. And and uh, you know I saw I saw the name the Rogue Historian. I'm like, ooh, I gotta see who this cat is. And uh, and I've had other people do the same to me. We're like, well, who's the tattooed historian? And then there's like the tattooed prof, and there's all these other uh, different people who are seen as kind of outsiders uh, from the traditional way of doing things. But social media has really leveled the playing field for, for some of us. And uh, we've been able to make an impact. How has your life, I guess you could say, on, on Twitter and, and these other uh, apps and platforms, how has that changed your uh, outlook on the future of the field, so to speak? Well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think Twitter is... Uh, is well, Twitter is the, the the social media platform that I have the, where I have the largest uh, largest amount of engagement. I was kind of late to the Instagram thing, and I, I do okay on Instagram. I, I look at Instagram really more as just for my own sort of personal enjoyment because I like you know looking at people's how they curate their how they curate their uh, uh, their Instagram feeds and all that kind of stuff. I find that pretty interesting. But where my real engagement is is on Twitter, and I started really early on. Uh, on Twitter, I was a, I was an early adopter, and um, it was more to me than I saw the potential for Twitter to be a way to reach uh, reach large numbers of people instantaneously uh, to to spread uh, a message, but also 
to uh, to use Twitter to 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 help inform my own ideas, uh, to accelerate my research, um, to do all of those kinds of things, and 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 it worked really really great uh, for the longest time like that. Uh, in fact, in, in the introduction uh, or the acknowledgments of my first book, I thanked my Twitter follower because there have been so many times when I had you know, put a question out there and then gotten hundreds of responses, uh, you know, pointing me in right directions, giving me, uh, giving me citations, uh, giving me ideas, uh, all that kind of thing. So it was great. And it really made an enormous impact on my scholarship. Um, now, recently, I think Twitter's taken kind of a dark turn uh, because it's become, uh, it's become so uh, fueled by animosity uh, right. and by anger. And when I go on Twitter, and I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, you know, uh, probably far too much than, more than I should be, but, but there I am. Um, <laughs> I know where to find you. <laughs> yeah, I'm always there. Um, and, it, and, it, and it has become uh, this place where people can vent their rage. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and it, I believe that it's doing a, a lot of harm um, because it's, it's, it's sort of, it, you know, people are trying to one up each other on the rage factor. It seems almost to me like, and so, well, I'm, right. I'm enraged about this. Oh yeah, really? Well, fuck you. I'm enraged about this. Uh, right. and, and, it, and it just explodes into this, you know, uh, into this, uh, in this giant, uh, uh, battle and it, it, it takes place mm-hmm. every day. And, and, you know, you get clowns like D'Souza and Bill O'Reilly on there saying these crazy things. And then people were responding, you know, uh, with like going, look, uh, here's the real history of it, right? You know, here's here's what's here's what's going on, uh, and, and that actually kind of like so. Here's here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing Twitter in a state of flux right now. I think that it can it's gone dark, and I think that it can continue to go that way. But I also see people doing some good work on there still, despite all the stuff that's going on. that's bad, you know, okay? So right. I mean, I see guys like um, uh, uh, like uh, uh, Kevin Cruz and, and people like Heather Cox Richardson. Um, you know, putting these, you know, really super informative tre- uh, threads that I don't necessarily mm-hmm. always agree with, but they're done like historians do things. They're using evidence, they're using research, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're using that to, uh, to, to, to go like, this is what historians do. We don't cherry pick some, you know, some quote that somebody said out of context and say, here, uh, a Democrat said this in, 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 right. in, in 1877. So the Democratic Party is this from now on. You know, that, that's completely idiotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and when people do that, they're just, they're, they're, they're showing their ass. You know, they're, they're right. proving to the rest of the world that they're jackasses. Um, right. and, so, and so there you go. So that's, you know, Twitter kind of can be that. But I'm ever the optimist. Um, hoping that it, it people will eventually grow tired of that and will begin to use it again like we used to. And I'm doing everything that I can to contribute to that in a positive way. You know, like I'll put my research there. I, I continue to put uh, research questions on there. Uh, and I continue to find people on there that are, that are interested in engaging um, both traditional academic scholars and lay people or, you know, what I, what I usually refer to as the informed public people who don't necessarily, um, you know, have advanced degrees or what have you or, 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 but, are, but are interested in history and are well-read, um, and, you know, and know, the, and, and know the literature. There's zillions of people like that on Twitter, and, so I, and, I, and I still encounter them. And, and so I, I've kind of checked out of the, of, the, of the Rage Olympics, as it were, um, on Twitter. I, I, I sort of distance right. myself from that. Not that I'm, I'm not saying that I'm apolitical. I'm not saying that I don't have opinions. I just don't, I don't do it. And, not, and I'm not trying to say, I'm also not trying to say that I'm better than everybody else who does. What I am mm-hmm. saying is, is I don't want that to be part of my life. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's right. I, try to, I try to be positive. I try to, you know, um, 
I try to be as positive as I can. And, and, and I'll admit, I used to get sucked into that stuff, especially with like, you know, you know, neo-Confederates come on and they'll say some crazy nonsense and I, I won't be able to resist, you know, and, and, uh, you know, but, but I've, I've stopped doing that even. I just like arguing with a brick wall. There's no point in doing it. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's just like anything else in life. There's, there comes a time where you get out of it, what you put in it. And, and it's the same for me with social media where people are like, oh, there's too much trash on Facebook. And it's like, well, because you're looking at trash, uh, you're not, you're not finding, you'll, you'll find what you seek. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, I, I believe well, a lot of people say that, uh, so, some people say that social media has, has ruined us. And I'm like, I think it's unmasked us. I think it's showcased what, who some people are truly. And, uh, it's really sometimes scary. And that even goes for people in the history field. Um, and then that really, uh, you know, irritates me at times, but then I just tune it out because I'm too busy trying to create content that I don't have time to get in arguments with, with people who just don't want to footnote their, their facts, you know, and it, it really, it really bugs me when people take the time to, you know, getting this shouting match online, it's like you could be doing so many other good things, you know, to to advance our craft instead of worrying about what you know, what Billy eighteen sixty three has to say about if if Jackson was at Gettysburg, you know, who who cares? It just it's just you know, I see it so much as a waste. If you put if you waste you know your time doing it, you're gonna get waste out of it. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, this this it's sort of an exercise in futility, you know, when you get into these sort of arguments that really take you nowhere. I mean, but but of course, at the same time, there's there's room for debate too, and I and I have like reasonable, you know, mm-hmm. discussions with with other historians right. all the time, and I've had them on my podcast. You know, people have come on, and I haven't, you know, I, it, some of the things they've said hasn't really jived with some of the things that I think, and so we have like an honest mm-hmm. conversation, and that's right. uh, that's actually a breath of fresh air when you can have a. A conversation, a good, you know, what we call good faith conversations, right? The kind of the kind right. of conversations, like, look, I disagree with you, you disagree with me. Okay, so we can agree on that. So let's just see, maybe we have common ground on some stuff. Um, you know, I got, for right. example, I had the, uh, I had, uh, I had the author Alex Rossino uh, on my podcast uh, a couple, couple few months ago, and he's written, um, he's written really great uh, historical fiction about the Antium campaign. And, uh, you know, and he and I disagree on some stuff, uh, you know, about that campaign and about, right. about, uh, about things. And, and we talked about it and it was a, it was a, a really nice conversation, uh, between two people who didn't necessarily see things the same way, but we did have some common ground. So, you know, um, right. it, people, it's, we, we, as human beings, we are perfectly capable of doing this kind of stuff, but the default seems to be now to just scream and yell and shake your fist. And I guess that's. Right. It's it's oversimplifying stuff, and it's also cheap and lazy. If you ask me, it's intellectually lazy. It's intellectually mm-hmm. dishonest, um, and it but but it gets a lot of clicks. So you know, right. um, my working theory, and of course, I'm sure lots of people would agree with me, is I don't think that the that the boneheads who go on and say these crazy things necessarily believe them, but they're certainly getting people to look at their stuff. And like you right. said, I mean, you just said it yourself. I mean, uh, you know, what we what we seek, we will find. And and if you and if you you know study algorithms, I mean, that's literally true. If you start clicking on these things, you're going to see a lot more of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep coming up in your feed. You keep clicking on that stuff. So they want you to click on their things. They want you to go to their websites. They want you to buy their books. Um, they want you to and, – and, and, and so I, when, when these guys say crazy stuff, I don't think that they really, really, really honestly believe these crazy things. But they're getting people to look at their stuff. So yeah, that's, right. a, that's a working theory. Uh, I could be completely wrong. Who knows? Yeah, you just started uh, this week in Twitter history. Tell us about that. Okay, so that is kind of 
uh, I, 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 I needed to find some productive use of my time because I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I, I find myself getting sucked into these threads. I'm more of a voyeur. I don't participate in the angry stuff necessarily. I just want to look and see who's saying what. And also, yeah. um, when, uh, when, when uh, a colleague uh, responds with one of these very informative, very knowledgeable uh, threads citing evidence. I often bookmark those threads because I use those, um, you know, in my own classes, I use those all the time when you know, people raise their hand and say, well, what about this? I go, oh, well, actually, da, 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 da. and I have all this mm-hmm. stuff. So they're very helpful. So I, I do look at them a lot. But what I'll do in, in this week in history Twitter is I will pick a few salient uh, exchanges um, mm-hmm. and I will talk about them and then uh, I'll put them on my blog and I'll, I'll podcast them. They're like three or four minute podcasts just to explain, you know, what happened, uh, the origins uh, of the tweet, right. um, maybe offer a couple of my own comments about, about what's going on. And then on the associated blog piece, uh, I'll have links to all of those things. So people can come and use it kind of as a, as a, a starting point of reference. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun little thing. It's, it's this week in, in history, Twitter, and I do it like every 10 or 12 days. So, um, it's not really every week. Um, but it's, it's catching on, you know, um, People have commented that they thought it was a cool thing that I was doing, um, in, in, a, in, a, in a useful, uh, useful resource when they're looking for you know, uh, for the exchanges back and forth. Because sometimes, especially in Twitter, you know how how quickly things go, and if somebody tweets frequently, you know, uh, stuff can get buried very very fast. And so if you were like saying, what is it that uh, you know so and so said about this? Oh, I have to go back two weeks and scrolling through somebody's feed. Uh, can take a long time. So, you know, yeah, hey, yeah. go to keithharrishistory.com, shameless plug, <laughs> and, <laughs> and look it up and you'll see uh, not everything. I can't get everything, but I do get some salient ones. The one I did this week was about the whole whoop de doo over Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. So, oh, yeah. you know, and that, that, that caused all kinds of, 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 of craziness. But a couple people had some really, really nice threads in response to defenders mm-hmm. of Andrew Jackson. Um, and there was some really nice Twitter threads uh, that I pointed out responding to that, you know, ta- and, and, and what I wound up talking about was was really using uh, using history as a weapon, uh, you know, a politicized weapon. And I, and I was talking about the pitfalls of that because it's very easy uh, to to cherry pick events or things right. in history to support a political agenda. Right. Um, and when we talk about academic honesty or intellectual honesty, uh, that is sort of the. The, the epitome to me of intellectual dishonesty uh, is when you, when you have a political agenda and you go like, okay, I want to go back into history. And I want to find two or three people who uh, said some things. Uh, now that's going to support my political agenda. And now that justifies mm-hmm. everything. That's just, that's, a, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my first 10 years of reenacting right there. The hobby was like that. And it's like, okay, okay guys, that's, that's wonderful. You know, and I come back down to earth. Uh, but, but that's why I got um, a little distraught with that whole thing, but that's a that's a whole other podcast right there, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, Which I'm having uh, yeah. Robert Lee Hodge on my show uh, in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, so. he, he's going to come on, and we're going I'm going to ask him those questions about reenactors and and and, and you know mm-hmm. uh, political ideas, uh, any reenactment groups. See what he has mm-hmm. to say about it. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. got some interesting things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Hodge will say a lot on that. Uh, 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 and and I have some theories on that too that I'm I'm working on now, uh, possibly for a blog post, which will probably get a lot of clicks, but uh, probably I'll probably lose some friends at the same time. But you know I lived it for 25 years, and uh, so I was there, 
<laughs> you know, so I, I, I know what I, what I heard, what I saw, and I know what we, uh, put up with. And, uh, it's just, and that's just for the civil war hobby. Uh, but, but yeah, there's some wild things that I'm, uh, uh, considering airing out where it's like, you know, maybe some of the, some of the things that are going on, we brought on ourselves in a kind of way. I'll be devil's advocate and just be like, you know, maybe we should have vetted some people. <laughs> you know, before we allowed them to like come out here with firearms and do stupid crap. But, you know, that goes back to what you just said about having a political agenda too. And, uh, that, that really takes hold. And I think in the civil war hobby and, and other eras as well, it's not just a civil war thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as reenactors, uh, living historians, uh, go, you know, I mean, I, I think that there's, this is the case where you get some 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 bad apples that are ruining it for everybody else, and mm-hmm. and and usually the the extreme the extreme voices wind up, you know, uh, sort of filling in for everybody else, and and they become they become like the the uh, embodiment of of an entire mm-hmm. hobby. I mean, you know, I've I've encountered lots and lots and lots of people uh, who have pursued the hobby at you know at different levels of involvement. And I've had him come speak to my class and I've, you know, I've got, you know, well, hell I have you come speak to my class, you know I mean? Um, right. uh, and so I've had civil war guys come and, you know, and people were saying, Hey, you've got guys in Confederate uniforms coming to your school and they have guns. Isn't that, are you concerned about that? And I go, no, because I know this guy, this guy's an old friend of mine. You know, we, we, we go way back and I know that he's not ideological. He's doing it for this reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, and the problem, the thing is, though, is that somebody sees a guy in a Confederate uniform carrying a gun, and they get upset. Uh, our reenactment, the clo- there's one close by um, that happens uh, every May that's that's been mm-hmm. canceled last two years in a row, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I can't be sure exactly why it was canceled two years ago, but I I have my suspicions, and I think a lot of it has to do with it. there's there's Confederate imagery there, there's people in Confederate uniforms there, there's guns there, and this is the kind of thing that makes people nervous. And, and yeah. rightfully so in a lot of ways because there's a lot of these guys they you know they start waving their flags around and they start saying some crazy stuff and nobody wants to you know nobody wants that around um, yeah and so that that can be troubling but but look you know i think that people who do work in living history are a lot of people are doing wonderful wonderful things when i had you speak to my own students on the gettysburg battlefield you know, they still talk about that you know, um, <laughs> that's awesome. People from last year and people from this year are talking about it for sure. It's, it's fresh in the memory. People from last year are saying, man, that guy's uniform was so cool, man. I never knew that about Gettysburg. I never knew Gettysburg had a world war one history or world war two history. And that you bring that alive for him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you do it in period, uh, you know, period dress. Right. It, it really makes it make, it gives them something tangible that they can look at and see and touch. And it makes it so much more real to them than just reading in a book. So I really appreciate yeah. a lot of the work that living historians do. And, you know, mm-hmm. like in any field, you're going to find some assholes. <laughs> right. right. You know? And they're usually the loudest voice in the room and that, or it carries further. Yeah. yeah. And that's the problem. That's the problem. It's the assholes yeah. with the loudest voice in the room. Exactly. And, 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 uh, maybe vetting was the wrong word, but it, it, there was a, it was just a point where the quiet ones, the good living historians, sometimes don't have the voice to say, Hey, you need to leave or you need to, you know, tone down or something to shout down that person, you know, because it's just, then you just get right back into like a Twitter shouting match and it just doesn't go anywhere. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the things that I've heard, the things that have been said to me, things have been said to my friends. It's just a weird dynamic where 90% of the people out there, 
that I've worked with are trying to do it for the right reason, like the like the gentleman you bring to to the school. Uh, and then it's those five to ten percent who are the loudest voices who just want to cause problems. And then they complain that something shut down. It's like, well, you you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. That's that's just the way life is. If you can't play right, then you're gonna go home. And uh, you know, there there has to come to a point where people are like, are you out here for history? Or are you out here for your own agenda? And and when I started having those when I started having those discussions, Keith, with guys I reenacted with, they were like, you're out. You know, and there, and that was like, okay, I'm just going to go. Thank you. Well, then you probably did the right thing. I mean, my buddy is, right. uh, you know, his, he's sort of, he's been doing this now for a long time and he reenacts, uh, a Hamptons Legion, right. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, Confederate unit, he, uh, and, and, you know, the rule of, uh, of his organization is that you cannot bring politics into it. Uh, mm-hmm. you just can't. And he's, he's, he's very proud of the fact that he has, uh, a very diverse, a group, a politically diverse group of people in his organization, mm-hmm. but they never, ever, ever, ever speak of it uh, when they're reenacting. Mm-hmm. They only talk about 19th century stuff, and and when they go to right. schools and things, they only talk about 19th century issues, and they do it in 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 uh, in that context, which I think is great, you know, because they, mm-hmm. they provide a service, uh, and then they can go mm-hmm. home and they can do it whatever they want. But as when they're re- mm-hmm. when they're reenacting, they don't, um, which is why I was comfortable mm-hmm. having him come to my school, you know, and talk about stuff because I knew he wouldn't, and you know. I, I know I know the guy's politics. He's chill, but you know, I, right, right. I, I, I you know I, I know he wouldn't come to school and do do anything do anything crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to someday coming to the school and hanging out. You know, I, if I get to if I get to L.A. sometime, I'm gonna come hang out and bring some goodies along. You know, bring some uniforms or something, just hang out and chill. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, so to to wrap up here, I wanted to we've we've kind of touched on it in a way. But I think there's something uh, out there for for historians like us, and uh, that is reaching new audiences with history. Uh, We have the ability to do that, obviously, through social media and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I added it up the other day. I'm on seven platforms now, which is just crazy. Uh, But, uh, you know, how how do you see the reach of social media, of these different platforms and such, allowing us to talk to new audiences? Well, I mean, I just think that everybody is on it. We're so glued into our phones, you know, um, <clears throat> and folks like you who are like more present on Instagram, I think, uh, than, than I am or, or some other people are, I think are really, uh, I think are really doing a great, a great job at reaching a broader audience. Um, you know, uh, just, just the, the, the kind of the way you approach things, uh, is more, it's more video, uh, heavy, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and it's, it's very visual. And, and I think our, I think our social media culture right now is very visual. And, um, that seems and it's visual and it's in, it's in short little snippets. Uh, and so I think, you know, people, people kind of embrace that, uh, <clears throat> embrace that more than they would be saying, look, I've, I've written a 600 page book. Um, and I'd like you to go read this. And, you know, three weeks right. from now when you're done, we can sit down at nah. I mean, I, I still publish, I still write, and I still read 600-page books, but that's that's not really for everybody, and I and I have to understand mm-hmm. that, right? So mm-hmm. you need to be able to 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 understand that not everybody's going to go that direction and, and sort of just mm-hmm. 
and, 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 and roll with the times. If, if something changes, you have to be willing to change with it. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm kind of a traditionalist in a lot of ways. I was very resistant. Um, I still can't figure out Snapchat. I have no idea. I've had, I've had, I've had my students try to show me what it is, and I'm going, I, I, don't, I just don't understand it. I have one, but I never yeah. used it because I can't figure it out. I mean, I'm something I love like that way. Um, it took me a yeah. while to, to warm up to, to Instagram, uh, which I quite like. Um, but Twitter seems to be my thing, and I, and I think I reach, uh, I think I do a nice job uh, reaching lots of people. Mm-hmm. on that and, oh, yeah. and, and be willing I think to 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 engage uh, folks that are that are sort of curious and maybe not as knowledgeable as as some other folks and they're, they're asking questions um, sometimes those questions might make us uncomfortable but I think you need to in good faith answer those questions to the best of your ability you know and, and, and have like real dialogues with real people instead of talking down to people talk to people talk with people right. you know um, right. And that's something that I've always really kind of embraced as an historian, uh, as an academic historian, is not to, you know, and, and I don't think people are as guilty of this as they used to be. I think uh, this is this has really changed a lot, especially in the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, academic historians who just want to like sit down and have the proverbial, you know, beer online and just like talk to some folks. You know, right. what, what, what are you thinking? You know, what, what, where do you get your ideas from? What's, you know, what are you basing this on? Let's, let's, let's have a conversation, like a real conversation, like human beings. Right. Uh, so that, I think that's what social media, I think that's where social media is really going to, um, really going to help expand the discipline uh, beyond the, behind, beyond the halls of academia, um, where it had been mm-hmm. pretty much sequestered for the longest time. And I don't think that academia is nearly as insular. Uh, as it used to be, you know, with more people, more and more and more people doing this, this kind of thing, just getting on, you know, getting on the phone, getting on, getting online, uh, picking up your phone when you're hanging out, waiting for something and it's like talking to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that, uh, uh, historians who are of the same mindset that we are, uh, online are really reaching out to a new audience in new ways. And that audience is growing and that audience is also getting younger. And I'm I'm happy to see that, uh, and that's going to help the field as a whole. And a lot of people are like, you know, well, like 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 you just said, you don't do Snapchat, you don't understand it. Well, someone like me can figure it out. I can't do it as well as an 18 year old, but I can figure it out, and I can I can put pictures up and put, have arrows pointing at things and being like, hey, check this out. This is a pretty cool piece of equipment, or this is a pretty awesome house that's in the background, or whatever. And and those little things really really help uh, to push the the narrative that we want to push, which is you know documenting primary sources and doing all this her stuff. But uh, you know your your uh, way of doing things has really influenced a lot of people, and uh, I I hope that mine will as well. Uh, and I know that there are other people out there who are on Twitter who are doing their part, and I know there are people on Instagram who are doing their part. Uh, I just see it as a tremendous asset that we can utilize for for positivity in the field as compared to being just the old style of, well, maybe I'll use a PowerPoint today, you know, (laughs) it's like, and then I still know professors who refuse to use PowerPoint and they're like, you know, you should just listen to me. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Okay. You know, and um, it's definitely old school. I mean, you know, but uh, you know, tech, the technology exists, uh, whether you like it or not. And, um, younger right. people are they They have a fluency in technology <clears> that, you know, that, that I had to learn that they grew up with. And so, you know, uh, 
generation, generationally speaking, I mean, I, I grew up with the professor or the teacher writing something on a chalk blackboard, right? And that, that, was the, mm-hmm. that was the level of technology that we had in the classroom. And now we have right. so much stuff that we can bring to the table. Um, and I think it's important that we use it without necessarily having to rely on it because if it breaks, then we're screwed. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but using it, if, it, if it's there and if it, if it enhances the, the, the teaching and the learning, most importantly, the learning experience, then why wouldn't we, you know, why wouldn't yeah. we use it? That's, uh, I, I brought that up the other week at George Mason. I said, I can't beat people who produce historically based video games like Red Dead and, and our other things. So I might as well join them and use that as a tool to teach and in some way. And and I'm there I'm sure I get blowback from that, but it's like I can't beat a billion dollar industry. So I might as well I might as well utilize it to my advantage. And because I'm I'm playing it just to figure out what everyone else is talking about. So then I can use it. And I'm sure that other historians and Twitter historians out there are doing the same thing. And I think that utilizing those programs and such, like you said, is just gonna be fundamental to the the future of the field or we're just going to be you know pushed to the side like we're still living in the renaissance and you know with without the great things of the renaissance (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but but keith i'm so happy that i got to return the favor and and have you on my podcast uh it's it's you know it's really great to have you on here and talk to you i love talking to uh to you about stuff and, and talking with people of like mind who have gone through the system and, and broken out on their own thing, uh, are, are also, uh, tattooed historians. And, uh, you know, we, we all kind of hang out in jail and, and spend time together. And I really enjoy, uh, the time I spend with you, my friend. And I, I thank you so much for coming on, on the tattoo historian show, bro. Yeah. Well, I certainly enjoy being on John. Thank you very much for having me and, uh, let's do it again. Where where can everybody go online to find you again? All right, KeithHarrisHistory.com or TheRogueHistorian.com will take you to the same place. And I'm on Twitter and my handle is at M, like Michael, M Keith Harris, and on Instagram at Keith Harris History. Awesome. There you go, peeps. Go on to all those. Log on, like, share, do all that. Just like you just like yeah, just like you do for this show. You know, you all have been helping my numbers. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, I will talk to you all very soon. Thank you again, Keith, for being on, my friend. Thanks again, man. You all take care.